0: The views and opinions expressed by the guests of the Diplosport podcast do not necessarily represent the official policy or position of any agency of the United States government or any organization, public or private. Greetings, friends, and welcome to the latest edition of the Diplosport podcast. This week, we welcome back a return guest. It is the Bard of Baldwin, Long Island, New York. It is Tommy Beer, the senior basketball advisor to the Diplosport podcast. Tommy gave us a couple wonderful interviews last year, and we're happy to have him back now that the NBA season is over and we're into the playoffs. We spoke to him a little bit earlier this week, and he covers a number of things from the season that was to what we can expect throughout the playoffs and a couple of the themes going forward as the league continues to expand and and get better and enhance its global reach. Before we get into our conversation with Tommy, just want to give a plug to our social media at Diplo Sport on Facebook and Twitter, and we always welcome y'all to subscribe to us via iTunes, and if you want to, go ahead and leave us feedback. Good feedback ensures we continue to get great guests like Tommy and the number of the about three dozen other guests that we've had so far since launching, and we thank you for your support. So with that, we'll turn things over to our conversation with Tommy Beer.
1: Tommy Beer, uh, a analyst for Basketball Insiders, as well as NBC Sports and Rotoworld.com.
0: And the the senior basketball advisor for the Diplo Sport podcast. I should
1: uh, most importantly. <laughs> yeah,
0: um, so I, Tommy, I, I, we were just talking uh, before we got on the line here, and uh, I was going over our conversation from five months ago, right before the start of the season, and yet again, you were prophetic in in some of your pr- uh, predictions, and I'll get into those in a second here. But what are some of your takeaways from from the regular season? What What are the big themes going into the playoffs here?
1: Well, I think we got to start with Westbrook. Um, a, a truly phenomenal, incredible season. Um, and uh, I, I understand you can certainly make a case for um, any one of four players to win uh, MVP. To be honest, um, in fact, you know LeBron James. It's funny, I was you know looking at the numbers. This this morning, guys, the best player of our generation is. There's no question. Arguably, you know, one of the best players of all time. Definitely top five in my opinion, if not top three, um, greatest players to ever play the sport. Is averaging a career high in rebounds and assists. Yet he's probably going to finish fourth in the in in the MVP voting this year. Um, And 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 it's it's not a crazy thing to put him fourth on your ballot. Um, I think it just goes to show how incredibly um, impressive, you know, from statistics standpoint all the guys have been the season Uh, but to me um, and and, you know the way you phrase the question I think it's a good way to to, it's worth it's worth consideration in in terms of looking at it you know 50 years from now this will be the the, the, I I believe in my opinion the Russell Westbrook triple-double season um, I understand it's an arbitrary set of numbers, um, and I understand that Westbrook's done things that nobody's done in 40 years. For instance, he scored 2,000 points by himself and has assisted on um, baskets that led to 2,000 points. That's that you know that hasn't been done before. Um, so again, I take nothing away from James Harden, who's incredible. Um, you know his his efficiency um, from the floor, everything he brings to the table, certainly MVP caliber candidate. Kawhi Leonard's arguably the best two-way player in the Western Conference. Uh, Lebron. James is the best player on the planet and has and has had a very good season um but i think the um, and his team's probably going to finish off. yes they're struggling um and you know we can maybe get into that later on there's 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 cause for concern now in Cleveland um as a result um but uh, all things considered i think um Westbrook uh, incredibly, not only statistically, um, but I go back and forth again. I've gone back and forth. and There is a recency bias um, in all things we consider and vote on. Um, So I think the way Westbrook has played this last month or so um, is going to push him over the top. For me personally, the deciding factor was uh, effort, intensity. Um, I've never seen a star play. I think it was Mike Breen who said, and other, and others have said made similar sentiments. Westbrook plays like he's a guy in a ten day contract. Um, you know, begging and hoping beyond hope that he can somehow earn a, a, another ten day contract. Um, you know, it's very rare that a player of his magnitude, of his talent, of his skill set, of his renown. Um, I, I every minute of every game um, and, I, and for him to keep that up for 82 games is, a, is an incredible feat unto itself. Um, so if we're, we, if we're splitting hairs and you have to split hairs in order to, to figure out an MVP this year, um, I'll use that as my deciding factor and, and I'll go with Westbrook.
0: Yeah, it's interesting you say that. I, I think that, you know, maybe the last two or three weeks or so, a lot of the basketball intelligentsia was, and the stats guys were, were saying, Hey, this really is hard in season, but uh, coming into you and I talking tonight, the lasting image, and, and I, I feel like it's almost like it caught the zeitgeist was uh, Westbrook's last time he was on the court, where he hits the you know the game winning shot, and the guys treat it like they just made it to the Sweet Sixteen uh, after after he shot it from you know basically the half court uh, to what did he have fifty six points in, yeah, his... um, it, it, you know do. do and so I, I guess the, the the two questions are, you know, is that the defining moment of his season? Is, is hitting that ridiculous shot to beat the buzzer? Uh,
1: good question. Yeah, I think it is. Um, um, you know, it, it was his it was his third fifty point triple double of season, um, which is <laughs> it is great. Incra- and to put that in context, no player in NBA history, not Michael Jordan, not Kareem Abdul Jabbar, not Will Chamberlain, not Oscar Robinson, has more than two fifty point triple doubles in their entire career. Um, and, and Westbrook has three 50 point triple doubles this season um so yeah i think that was was the moment um it uh, you know was his third 50 point triple double it broke the record for most triple doubles in a season 42 and it was also an important win and knocked to the nuggets out of the, out of the postseason um so uh yeah it was it was a it was a you know kind of a watershed. it kind of reminded me of the shot that that uh, curry hit from um, near the same court the, near the same spot on the floor towards the end of the regular season um in a Saturday night nationally televised game. Um, I believe it was against the Spurs. And, but it was like you know, right you the, the last month of the season. It wasn't quite the right at the end of the season. Um, it was just kind of the cherry on top of a, a phenomenally uh, in Curry's case, uh, an epic historic season as well.
0: And One of the things that I see that you mentioned on Twitter, I think it was even today, was that the basketball gods are going to be good to us. Uh, we're going to get kind of like the, the Reggie Bush-Vince Young matchup in the first round because yep. Harden and Westbrook are going to get to face each other. and, and You know, We'll see who the MVP is after those seven games, huh?
1: exactly yeah I think uh, it's going to be fascinating to you know see those guys go at each other um, you know you know I, we won't see they'll, they'll guard each other a decent amount but you know you'll see the thunder for Robertson on, on hard things on those lines so it's it's not like it's a true one-on-one head-to-head matchup um, but they'll certainly square off enough against each other um, and uh, you know I've seen some people argue that you know because the Rockets have a you know better record and um, they're they're likely to be favored in the series you gonna win that series um, that that hardens the the, the MVP um, so I I I, I, I kinda take exception to that. Um, uh, but again it's there's no, you know, defined parameters for the most violent player. I think it's the more I think about it, you know, uh, I think it's kind of by design. I think it generates more conversation. You know, I think Sports Talk Radio should give Harden and Westbrook like at least like ten percent of their earnings in, in, in this quarter um, because it getting you know so much debate and, and worthy debate. Um, be, you know, it primarily be because um, you can't. You know, it, you know, how does one define valuable? You know, you know that the best the best um, argument against you know giving it to LeBron is Jordan didn't win every year. You know, it's not the best player. Um, so that that makes. It's difficult. Um, and again, I, I have no problem with people. You know, it's not like if somebody gives a vote to, to Harden or Leonard or LeBron, you know, I think they're crazy. I think, they're, again, they're four valuable candidates this year. Uh, but again, for my money, I'd, I'd lean Russell.
0: You kind of led me into my next question I wanted to ask there what and I know this is kind of the hokey you know ask the basketball expert one one but wh- what is the mVP what what does that award mean to you you know why doesn't it go to LeBron or Michael Jordan every
1: year? Sure. I think, yeah, one, I think it's voter fatigue. The reason that the, the primary reason that there's, there's voter fatigue, you know, we look for other reasons. If we gave it to LeBron every year, you know, it'd get boring. If we gave it to Michael every year, um, what's the point of having the award? Um, and, and part of that's voter fatigue, but part of that's also become numb and, and, uh, you know, to, to, greatness, you know, you see it every, every night on the floor, you just kind of, um, you know, LeBron's going to get his, you know, his reward in the postseason. Um, so let's, you know, let's, let's give it to something we haven't seen before, but that's a difficult. Question: I think it's you know right at the inter there's there's right at the intersection of um, of, of of team success of I- individual uh, greatness st- individual statistical greatness relevant uh, in, in in relation to one's peers. Um, so I think it's and, and for each person it's different. You know there's there's some people that say, you know it, 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 I think the the it, the real fascinating point would be um, let's say Westbrook averaged the triple double this year and had the same statistical numbers. But but the Thunder won 32 games. Um, You know, they finished outside of the playoffs. Um, how many people would vote for Westbrook. Then you'd see a real, um, you know, uh, then, you, then you'd find out where people lie in terms of um, team success versus individual greatness. Um, so uh, it'll be very interesting. Um, uh, for me personally, I, 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 again, I try to weigh all, all factors. Um, and for most of the season, I had, I had I, honestly, I had LeBron um, uh, ahead of both Harden and Westbrook um, just because he's, you know, he's so incredibly important. Um, but it's, it's difficult to, to find that value um, being that he's surrounded by other, you know, two other all-stars and quality depth on that team. Um, but I think with the, with the, um, the Cavs struggling down the stretch, they've actually, uh, are 10 and 12 in the last 22 games. They have a worse record than the Nets. Um, you know, right at 500, at the, you know, over the last six weeks of the season. So, um, Again, we're splitting hairs, but, um, you know, all things considered, um, I, I think Westbrook, you know, not only, and, and again, in terms of the, the Thunder success, yes, they're going to finish at six in the conference and certainly a worse record than the Horn, um than the Rockets, rather. Uh, but they did lose, you know, one of the three best players on the planet, Kevin Durant. Um, a lot of people had them pegged um, to take a big dip in the standing. So uh, I think Westbrook gets some credit for that as well.
0: Yeah, de- definitely. That's been, that's been interesting. And, and speaking of Durant, before the season, one of the biggest storylines was the Golden State Warriors Durant's new team, and the uh, Vegas over under for the number of wins that the Warriors was going to have was sixty six and a half. And when I asked you about that five months ago, you said, "Yeah, that sounds about right." And uh, right now they're sitting with two games left at sixty six wins. So uh, yet another one for the Bard of Baldwin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um you know but uh, to me that almost seems anticlimactic so I'm not going to end on asking you who who you see in the finals but before the season you said that it it was looking like a collision course again uh you compared it to rocky 3 uh between Golden State and the Cleveland Cavaliers are you still uh going to hold on to that or have you changed your mind
1: No I think it's I think it's pro- I, I I would say I'm probably more confident now than I am, than I was back then, um, despite their struggles that I think the Cavs are still the favorites in the East. Um, Celtics certainly have some intriguing young pieces. Um, but you know, this is kind of their first trip to the dance, the first time entering the postseason with that type of expectations. Um, that it's a different game. It's a different ball game. Um, once, once those games start, um, and, uh, the Raptors, I think are, are better than, than people suspect, um, I actually think they'll be a tough route, um, and I suspect they'll make it back to the Eastern Conference Finals again. Um, but you know, as long as LeBron stays healthy, obviously that's a caveat, um, and, and Irving and Love, for that matter. Um, I think they're the favorites in the East, and in the West, um, the Warriors are just playing so well right now. Um, they got obviously West uh, Durant back healthy. Um, it seems he, you know, after that scare, um, seems to be look good on Saturday night. Looked healthy. Looks spry. Um, I just don't see. I honestly don't even see them being really challenged in the West. Um, I, I'd be kind of surprised if, any, if anybody took them seven games. Um, I think they'll win you know most of the series in, in five or six. Um, I just think you get everybody out on the court? Um, those guys can kill you in so many ways you factor all those you know defensively offensively um, they're there I think the odds are unfavored again I coming out of the west.
0: You, uh, mentioned the Celtics in there and I find them fascinating. I was looking at the, uh, the early predictions for the NBA draft and, and because incredibly for as good as the Celtics are, they were savvy enough to make some trades with, uh, the Brooklyn Nets and they have a, a 20%, a 25% chance of the number one overall pick this year. Uh, yep. right. Looking ahead to the draft, what are you, what are you seeing and, uh, who's going to end up where there at the top of the draft?
1: Sure. Yeah, the and the Celtics are so set up so beautifully. Not only do they have the number one pick, the Nets' number one pick this season, which is the top, is going to be the number one pick in the lottery drawing, um, that's going to be held in a couple of weeks. So yeah, they they have the, the best odds of landing the number one overall pick, twenty five percent. They also have the Nets' number one pick in two thousand eighteen. Um, in addition to that, they have they're going to have thirty million dollars or around there in cap space this summer, so they're going to be able to sign a max level free agent um, if they can convince one to come. You know, Gordon Gordon Hayward. Um, is going to be a free agent uh, most likely unless he signs extension with the jazz um and as we know brad stevens is his old coach at Butler, so there's some some speculation that that might be a marriage um uh if we get to the draft 2017 draft um very good draft um uh, especially the top, a lot of top tier point guards. There's, there's four, you know, legit, you know, franchise, you know, level point guards um, in, in that top of the draft. I think Markel Fultz uh, is going to be the number one overall selection. You know, very little this kid can't do: size, strength, athleticism. Um, you know, six four for a point guard.
0: I, I know. Um, I know one thing he can't do: uh, make the NCAA tournament. <laughs>
1: Yes, definitely, (laughs) definitely cause for concern there. Save his coach's Uh, job. (laughs) (laughs) True, true. That 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 does not reflect all that well. I did it for Dennis Smith at NC State, um, an ACC buddy of yours. Uh, obviously that, uh, again, that's, that's a knock. Um, no, no two ways about it. Um, uh, but as we know, Ben Simmons with LSU, the, the, the prior year, um, was, you know, the, the LSU was badly embarrassed in a conference tournament, didn't make the NCAA tournament, um, but still went number one overall, uh, because talent trumps all. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so we'll go full to one. And then, uh, after that, kind of the unanimous number two pick most likely is Lonzo Ball, um, we know uh, certainly with his father. There's been a lot of controversy surrounding him. Um, I don't. I, I don't. Put...
0: I remember your dad coaching your sister, and, and I see a lot of parallels there. So. <laughs> yes,
1: yes. Uh, very, very similar. Um, I remember my dad saying that, and my sister was Rebecca Lobo, the next Rebecca Lobo, uh, when she was six years old. Um, But uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, outside of his dad, I don't think it's, I think that's kind of much ado about nothing. I think NBA teams will um, happily, you know, um, you know, let him, let his father know that this is, you know, he can speak all he wants, but um, this is big boy business right now. Um, As far as ball, I I respect uh, his athleticism, Um, great court vision, very unselfish, um, high basketball IQ, um, great passer. Um, I just worry about his his shot. You know, he's got that funky, that funky delivery. Um, all coaches I've ever had have, have repeated the importance of having repeatable delivery on a jumper. Um, that doesn't mean that it's, you know, one size fits all. There have been great, you know, um, shooters that don't have textbook delivery. You know, Reggie Miller, you know, one of the best three-point shooters of all time, didn't have a, you know, real a classic flawless delivery. Um, but, you know, Balls is so unorthodox and so out of the ordinary. Um that I, that I find hard to believe he's going to be able to shoot. You no. Know, and I, and he, and he, listen, he did shoot over 40% of UCLA, which stunned me. Um, but then, you know, it's a relatively small sample size, a, a short college season. Plus the, as we know, the NBA line is you know, about three feet behind the college stripe. So, um, I'm much lower on ball than others. I, I would have a real hesitancy to, to take him with one of the, the top couple picks. Um, but that being said, uh, he is a point guard, um, uh, and similar to defaults as, you know, great size, a lot of, you know, a lot of attributes there that, that make GMs excited. Um, so he'll go in the top two or three. Um, Josh Jackson out of Kansas, um, is going to be up there. Um, you know, you got, uh, I mentioned, uh, you know, the, the Dennis Smith, he's probably in the six or seven range. Um, D. Fox, who a lot of people fell in love with, um, out of Kentucky. Um, as someone who covers the Knicks, I was hoping that Fox would, you know, would, would kind of line up with the Knicks going into the draft. So seeing him play so well, um, against the aforementioned Lonzo Ball in particular, um, in their matchup, uh, in, in the NCAA tournament where, he, where he dropped 39 on balls, uh, on ball and UCLA. And then Malik Monk, uh, De'Aaron Fox is Fox's teammate, uh, at Kentucky, who, who, again, I'm, I'm actually a lot lower on than most. Um, he was like a six, one and a half, six, two shooting guard, um, which worries me. Undersized combo guard in the lead. Um, sometimes have a tough time finding their way. Um, I've seen someone mention that he's kind of a, a, uh, Dewan Wagner. You know, type player. Um, that, that sometimes those guys have a difficult, uh, difficult time finding their place in the NBA because they're, they're neither fish nor foul, you know, neither point guard nor shooting guard. Um, so when you try to, you know, force them into one or the other, um, listen, the kick and shoot lights out, um, I'd have no problem taking them, um, you know, 12, you know, 10, um, but a lot of places have them as high as five, six, um, which for me would be a reach, um, understanding as a skill set, which is definitely coveted in today's NBA. Um, which is so reliant on the three point shot, um, but me personally, I'd steer clear.
0: Yeah, I mean, i I have a small sample size with those Kentucky guys, but uh, that um, Monk dropped forty on Carolina in December. Uh, and but I have to tell you that that Fox really is the season rounded out, looked like looked like the total package.
1: Right, yeah, and, and 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 Monk has the ability, and he will have thirty-five point games. In the NBA. He's going to hit nine threes in a game. There's no doubt about it. But just on a night-in, night-out basis, you know, defensively, you're going to have to, you know, is he going to be able to keep guys out of the paint? Are guys going to be able to post them up? Um, you know, just it, it's easier to hide guys defensively in today's NBA than it was. Um, but again, um, if you give me choice, I'll, I'll take the, you know, I'll take the the, the pure point guard Fox, who's distributor. Has some issues himself. Is certainly not a good uh, jump shooter, or hasn't been a good jump. Shooter. Um, but, you know, he's a decent free throw shooter. I think he can improve. Um, and as long as he becomes a decent jump shooter, um, a la John Wall, who still isn't a good jump shooter, um, but he makes enough to, for defenses to respect him. Um, you know, Fox has that quickness and also to me that defensive intens- intensity and tenacity um, that, you, that you really like in a lead guard.
0: You know, uh, so you mentioned just a, a bunch of American boys there uh, at, uh, at the top of the draft, which is a little bit different than the last draft we saw. Uh, About half of the draft, the first two rounds were international players. Um, What did we see? What was the, and and also this year, more than 25% of the league rosters were made up of international players. Ostensibly, this is a podcast about international relations uh, among sports. What did we learn this year uh, in terms of the international flavor of the NBA?
1: Uh, yeah much of the same I mean it's just an evolving you know game the, the, the game is worldwide it's an incredible stat you know 15 20 years ago um, you know let alone when when dream team went over to Barcelona in 1992 you couldn't they, I mean those guys wouldn't would, would call you crazy if you predicted you know 25 years later that the, that the quarter of the league would be guys b- born outside of the United States um, and uh, but but again we see that uh, those players continue to deserve spots because they play well. Is no longer a situation. They're not intimidated. Uh, you know the, the the Spanish part of it is is due to the increased you know level of competition in, in the other leagues. Uh, Christoph Porzingis wasn't overwhelmed when he came over um, because playing in the you know the, the top Spanish leagues is relatively equivalent. To, you know the next closest thing to the NBA. You know playing against grown men, um, those guys don't give an inch, um, and, and all other leagues. You know where where these guys are coming from. Plus there's you know international under eighteen competitions and things along those lines where. Players get a more of a familiarity um, with the NBA game. And uh, the, you know the rest of the world is, is catching up as, as we have discussed in
0: the past. That's one of the things I got to see firsthand with the NBA was their basketball without borders process, where they they pick a few dozen of the of the guys that have the best shot to make it to the league in the next five, uh, four or five years, and it's just incredible how how much they get it, man. It's it's very impressive process, and they're only getting better as you know. If if day one was the the gold medal ceremony in Barcelona. Um, Um, Just what they've learned, and how they've applied it and built this global brand to to now start rivaling soccer has been incredible.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you could speak to a better even than I can. um, Just a commitment at the NBA level. They don't take it for granted. Uh, you know, it's not a situation where they, you know, just assume that everybody is dying to come to the NBA and they can just sit here and, you know, with their feet up on the couch and everyone come flooding in. Um, they realize there's a, a global responsibility uh, on their end um, to kind of promote the game and encourage teams, uh, encourage uh, individuals and communities and countries uh, to invest the, in the infrastructure um, that's going to benefit not only the country itself, but also the NBA down the line. So um, there's a partnership there. Um, that, that's, that's, uh, you know, that, that'll pay dividends on both ends of the equation and that's, uh, you know, that, that, that's what makes sense
0: it's an incredible way to share the values of America and the culture of America it, it's just it, it's so easy to, to spread it around the world even in the toughest place the Chinas of the world, the Irans of the world the North Koreas of the world uh, all have basketball fans and it's a great way to, to get our foot in the door and show them some of the best of, of America teamwork, hard work, cooperation Following rules, you know, it's uh, basketball is really impressive, and and, you know, it, it has been since Dr. Naismith, to be totally honest.
1: Ah, yeah, definitely. You know, Canadian, it's, you know, it's, but it's a, it's a, and exactly like you said in, in this day and age, there's certainly more of a need than ever, um, for commonalities, um, amongst people, amongst religions and, you know, sports in general and, and basketball, particularly, um, I think we both agree and, and, many involved in sports would, would also, um, that there's a, a common ground that can be found amongst, um, competition and, 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 and the value of having teammates and being a good teammate, um, all those things mentioned, um, you know really cut across socioeconomic lines um as well as uh you know cultural borders and, and things along those lines obviously um you know that the nba has, has benefited from it um and and hopefully you know it's it, it's made an attempt to give back as well um so hopefully it'll continue uh, in the future
0: there were uh, two teams that i just want to talk about before we wrap things up here and and the first is the sixers uh they, you know i i um, before we got on on and started recording here, y- you told me you thought that Dario Saric was going to be the rookie of the year. Um, I-, I wanted to to pick your brain a little bit, uh, just because I find it fascinating. You know, what do you think of the process? Do you think that Sam H- uh, Sam Hankey is crazy? Um, did you read his manifesto uh, at the end of last season? Uh, and, and what do you what do you think they have on hand there uh, in Philadelphia right now? Is is there a workable uh, uh, future with the team?
1: Definitely. I, I, I'll just say right off the bat, I do trust the process. Um, <laughs> I, I think because I think because I think there's a lot to trust. I think um, you know he, he, a lot of it was was done kind of wink wink, nod nod in the past. Um, you know, the, the tanking, quote-unquote tanking, um, the Sixers, I think, and Hinky, the, the, the reason he kind of ran into trouble was he, I don't want to say he celebrated it or, um, you know, tried to become a celebrity via it, you know, I, I think that the problem with, with Moneyball, there's a lot of, you know, you know, but Billy Bean maybe tried to, uh, you know, just, when you, when you try to oversell it, Um, You know, when you try to become the the name of the, you know, when you try to reinvent something, um, it can kind of attract attention. And when it attracts attention, people are going to have, you know, things to say. But I've never had a problem with teams doing what's best for their organization. You know, the idea of for every franchise, in my opinion, should be to win the championship, Um, you know, regardless of what sport you're in. Um, So for that reason, I have a really tough time telling Coach Popovich he can't rest his players or telling, you know, Ty Lou in Cleveland he can't rest LeBron. If And I understand that, that you know, some fan in New Orleans um, gets to see, the, you know, the, the Spurs once a year or the Cavs. Um, you know, this kid once every 10 years, you know, saves up to buy a ticket and wants to see LeBron and has to watch Channing Fry. I understand that sucks, and that's not fair. Um, but at the end of the day, who is – Popovich, who is who is who um, You know who is Coach Kerr responsible for? To fans in other cities, or to um, his team, his organization, and his owner? Um, because if resting LeBron, let's say statistically, um, you know it increases you, resting a player on the second night of a back-to-back decreases injury by point zero one percent, which increases the chance of your team winning a championship by point zero 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 one percent. Even if it's that small of a percentage, doesn't that make sense to do? Aren't we in the business of, of, you know, again, isn't the ultimate end goal winning a title? Um, so that's kind of a rant on the whole, you know, DNP rests controversy. Um, but it, 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 circling back to the process again, it, winning, you know, thirty-one games versus winning nineteen games. Win nineteen games. Give yourself the best chance, especially in the NBA, where uh, you know it's it's unlike the NFL and unlike Major League Baseball. One player can have such an impact. The team with LeBron James has won the Eastern Conference Championship six years in a row. It'll probably be a seventh, and probably then be an eighth, and probably be a ninth at some point. Um, having you know one player of such unique talent, when there's only five guys on the floor, can make such an impact. And the only way, truly, most more often than not, you're going to get that player, that really, really talented player, especially if you're a you know quote unquote flyover city like Cleveland in Ohio, is to draft him. You know, just to get the top pick in the draft, and, and or the top you know one or two picks in the draft, and draft that guy, and then now the NBA set up where you have a greater chance to keep that player going forward. Um, but you know, it's always been difficult for for mid market teams to kind of sign those you know, truly you know trans you know all time great players. Um, so again, the the object is to put yourself in, in the position, and give yourself the best chance of landing one of those guys, and the, and the Sixers did that for years and years and years, um, and they've had some bad luck with injuries, as we know, obviously with Bede and Uh, the list
0: goes on it's interesting Um, it's it's interesting that you bring up the cleveland scenario right like lebron james means a hell of a lot more to the city of cleveland's chances of winning the championship than like miles garrett will be the number one pick in the nfl to to the cleveland browns but I, i mean still even then in that part of the equation they're still three or four years away from making the playoffs right
1: yeah, exactly exactly and you know in the NFL there's you know there's, there's greater chance of you know, you know kind of flipping things quicker um, you know get a good quarterback yada 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 but yeah I mean j- and just in terms of LeBron, think about how much you know if they rested him a couple games in, in the middle of last season you know and that made him you know allowed him to be just a little bit fresher in games six, five six, and seven in the NBA Finals, how much money did winning that championship generate for the, for the city of Cleveland for the state of Ohio? I mean untold millions upon millions, tens of millions of dollars, um and will continue to um so it's really so uh, so for that reason i have a tough time telling teams um you know to do to not do what's best for their for their it, it's it there's a there's a real paradox there do you do what's best for your individual you know team um but you're also part of a collective um that that benefits from you know tv rings eventually and i think that's what was silvers i think that's why it came to a head is when the, the caps you know uh, the, the warriors rather benched all their guys on a saturday night game against the, the war uh, against the spurs i think that's why it really you know kind of you know sent people you know into a tizzy uh, because it was a nationally televised game um and eventually uh, abc and the other sponsors espn are going to start you know pulling ad revenue if they, if they if they can't count on these games being consistently highly rated and that's when the nba will have to step in and, and, and do something um because the NBA is a business, um, so it's kind of that that interesting contrast is where the team's loyalty, you know, where the loyal loyalties lie, to the team to to give themselves the best chance to win the championship, while also understanding that they're trying to the league is trying to sell an entertainment product um, that requires its best performers to to you know to show up on the stage um, at, at any given time.
0: Yeah, and I, if I can get on my soapbox here for a second, I, I just there are so many conspiracy theories revolving around the, the league, and in terms of being a transparent organization you know everything from how they conduct the draft lottery itself uh is is incredible and totally they videotape it they they have uh, they have witnesses there from every team you know the the, the process is unimpeachable um i, I know what it's something today even the the last two minute reports for the the fouls and the missed calls where they're even willing to to put their, their referees out there and say hey we missed this call or we made the right call here um they they, they and it, what got me thinking about this was they're studying the effects of if you give lebron a night off does he play better the next game does he play better over the next two weeks is there an impact uh, that goes into the playoffs they're they're looking at all the angles they understand all the equities that they have to fulfill uh you know to their business partners to their fans uh and, and they're they're really open about it, it it's just it 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 was a real pleasure working for the organization that way. And I might be violating my nondisclosure, but it's only because I see things through NBA color glasses, and I think it's a fantastic uh, – uh, it's it's the best in the world. Um, yeah, and uh, that will lead me into my, my next question. Um, all right, so uh, I want to go – all right, so we invent the flux capacitor, and you and I go uh, back in time uh, 20 years – to the cafeteria at Shamanat high School <laughs> we're, we're getting ready for our last comps as seniors, um, and uh, you tell uh, senior year Tommy Beer that um, Phil Jackson is a luddite uh, <laughs> and you get, you print out an article from something called the World Wide Web and hand it to him <laughs> how does How does 18 uh, year old Tommy Beer receive this information? <laughs>
1: <laughs> one, I tell him to stop, to stop uh, talking about sports. You got a comp. <laughs> Nothing's more <laughs> difficult than the infant shaman comp. So, 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 crack those books and start studying. Number one, uh, but uh, yeah, I, uh, you know, in terms of the whole the whole Phil Jackson thing, um, I think it's a situation where um, you know you have to uh, as as you know, listen, the you know, in and of itself, you know, I'm sure there's things that you know, ways of learning and t- and t- different teaching methodologies. Um, that the best institutions will embrace in, any any, in any business, um, as, as technology kind of expands and, you know, changes the world we live in, um, we are forced to, you know, change with it or, or perish essentially, you know, um, you know, at, at the time when we were, you know, 20 years ago in high school, um, the triangle offense was a uh, perfectly suited for the way the game was played, um created uh you know uh, shots that were valuable and you know at, at that st- at that time when the three point line wasn't accentuated you know to the extent it is today um and there's there's plenty but you know eventually teams figured out um doing part to you know technology which allowed them to, to crunch numbers um and analyze statistics in, in, in a different way realized um that the three point shot is more valuable than a, than a two point shot especially a two point shot um basically you want to ideally um, you know, and the Rockets are kind of the living embodiment of this, um, and certainly some other teams as well as the Warriors and the Cavs. You either want to take a corner three, which is the shortest three point shot, or a dunk. Those are the two highest. Those are the two shots that have the highest return probability. Um, you know, in terms of point per you know point per shot. Um, uh, so, so the, the idea should be to create as many. Of those attempts as possible, you want to stay out of that kind of no man's land, that is the the long two point shot because it has the lowest return probability. Um, and my issue with the triangle offense is that it kind of promotes. Uh, you know, to, to a, to a certain extent, that two point shot. Now, that doesn't mean that, um, it prevents, it doesn't tell guys, don't take the three pointer. Um, in Phil Jackson's prime, they were right around the middle of the pack in terms of three point attempts. Um, I was discussing this with, uh, Howard Beck, a breach report this weekend, actually. And, you know, he made some good points and, um, you know, pointed out that, um, and when the, the Phils Lakers were, you know, one at one point, uh, one season um, during that that kind of run with Kobe, um, and later on with Pagosol and, and, and Lamar Odom and those guys was um, they were fifth in the league in three pointers. You know, and kind of fluctuated between like sixth and seventh overall in terms of three point temps per 100 possessions. Um, you know, kind of kind of you know above average, but you know not not near the top of the league, but above average. Um, and, and to his point, um, you know, players and executives um, swear that the, the triangle can promote those shots. Um, you know, and, that the Knicks, uh, issues were, were essentially more, um, the the bigger problem was the personnel. And there's certainly some arguments to be made there. Um, Derek Rose, as we know, is not a three point shooter. Um, Carmelo Anthony prefers, you know, kind of work in that mid range area. Um, I guess, uh, you know, kind of summing it all up, um, and, and and that's what other people would argue is that it's not the offense itself it's the players um but my issue is it's kind of a vicious cycle because um you know the, the and i wrote about this a little bit today if if we're if we're trying if we're going to use the comparison of a, of a ship, um, you know of a boat that's in a you know kind of in a race, um, you know Phil Jackson's the one that's navigating the course and and, just, and determining you know what direction the Knicks are going to take, um, and he's also the guy that's hired the sailors as as has picked sailors and the guys that are actually going to do the handiwork, um, you know that, that are going to row the boat itself. So any which way you look at it, it kind of circles back to Phil. Does he choose the guys? Does he choose players based on how they're going to succeed? Excel in the triangle offense, and does that, you know, increase the likelihood that they're going to run the triangle? Um, at some point in time, he's going to retire again. He's over seventy years old, um, and and more. Le- there's a very Good chance that the guy that replaces Phil is going to, you know, bring in a completely different system, a more modernized system that's more apt to be successful in today's NBA. Um, so at that point, you don't want to have a roster full of players um, that essentially are, you know, triangle specific or you know, triangle preferred. Um, you want players that excel in a, in a pick and roll game. Um, so you know, we'll see. It'll be interesting. We'll see in the draft and in free agency. If the Knicks have a chance to draft the Aaron Fox, do they not take him because the point guard is? D accentuated doesn't have as much value in the triangle system as as in, as, as, as he would with other teams um, so it'll be interesting to see
0: what did we learn about Kristaps Porzingis this year did, did he take a step forward did he take a step back is, is he the future of the franchise still He's definitely
1: the future of the franchise, no doubt about it. I mean, to me, that's the—he's the beacon of hope in the distance. Um, it's very foggy and it's dark and it's raining, um, but that—that that light is flashing there. is um, tremendous, you know, tremendously talented, versatile, um, dedicated player. Um, that being said, and and you you know, uh, he—if he, we're being honest—he took a step back this season. Uh, picked up some bad habits late in the season. Um, wasn't quite as intense defensively. Um, kind of settled for some shots. Um, didn't get. Back in defense transition, um, more often than not, he you know he, 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 he did the right thing, played the right way, played hard. Um, but you can tell that there was um, you know just a, a slight downtick in terms of his production. Um, uh, uh, you know, again, he still you know improved in, in some key categories. Um, but if we're being honest, a lot a lot more was expected of him um, that he brought to the table this season. Again, it's difficult um, when your team is you know basically essentially eliminated uh, around the All Star break. Um, that that makes it difficult for any player. So, uh, but it do him. The best players are, are able to rise above those um, those those dour, cir- those dour circumstances. Um, but I think sooner or later, um, obviously the Knicks are going to move on from Anthony. They're going to hand the reins to uh, Porzingis, um, and that's when he's going to show uh, you know whether he's the, whether he you know has the ability uh, to handle the, the spotlight that's coming his way.
0: And you uh, you have written that at this point you feel like it's a coin flip whether or not Anthony's last game as a Knicks- Nick is going to be this week. Uh, you, do you still feel that way? There's a chance he may get traded this offseason?
1: Yeah, I'd say it's, you know, I'd certainly not, I, I, I don't think it's definite one with the other. I'd say it's, you know, close to 50-50. I, I think if anything, it's probably 55, 60% chance he does get moved. Um, his preference without a doubt would be to stay in New York and win. Um, even if that's not a championship, just be a competitive team, uh, you know, win a win a round or two in, in the postseason, um, and get to live in New York would, would be definitely his preference. Um, but I think it's very difficult for him to look at this roster and the team going forward. And assume that they're going to be a playoff team next season. And this is a guy that won, uh, that advanced to the postseason the first 10 years of his career. Every year for the first 10 years, he advanced to the postseason. So it's difficult for him to swallow four straight losing seasons without even sniffing the playoffs. That's gotta be difficult for a pride guy. You know, this is a guy that takes vacations with LeBron and, and uh, Dwayne Wade. And, on, the you know, banana
0: bo- on the banana boat? <laughs> <laughs> on
1: the banana boat. And when they, when you're on the banana boat and everyone's talking <laughs> about, oh, we lost <laughs> the finals or we won on a big shot, you know, you don't want to be the guy that, that can't even talk. You know, you're talking about regular season games in uh, January is, you know, is your most important games. Do, um, you lose a lot of bo- banana boat credibility. No
0: do you think Carmelo needs to spend a little bit more time in the muse cage? Is that? <laughs> <laughs> couldn't hurt. Um, You know, speaking of of Porzingis from Latvia, um, Willie Hernan Gomez had a pretty good season this this year, too, right? Uh, Maybe you could talk a little bit about the international guys that are on the Knicks.
1: Sure. Uh, Yeah, Willie played really well as a rookie, definitely impressed. Um, especially offensively. I mean, this guy's tremendously talented in the low post, footwork, uh, touch around the basket, uh, high basketball IQ, just has a great feel for the game. Um, pump fakes, hesitations, um, just really, really crafty and skilled uh, and tough around the basket. Um, unfortunately, on the defensive end, Um, He was just as disappointing as he was impressive offensively. Um, Had a real tough time staying in front of guys. Um, You know, was was, uh, overly aggressive, you know, jumping for, you know, trying to block shots. Um, and just in terms of physical, his physical limitations, um, you know, the lateral quickness, agility, um, are not his strength. So it's difficult for him to stay in front of quicker guys. A lot of the, obviously, as we know, a lot of the bigs in today's NBA are, are quicker and mobile. Uh, very difficult for Willie, um, to, to guard those guys. So that's something he's going to need to improve. Um, I think probably he's ideally suited to be the first big off the bench. Um, you know, you know, kind of an instant offense kind of player in the Enos Cantor mold. Um, and not quite, it's different players, but just in terms of, you know, playing him 18, you know, 22, 24 minutes a night. Uh, you know, high 20s if he's playing well. Um, but, you know, difficult for him to start alongside Porzingis. Um, or and/or Carmelo uh, just due, due to his d- defensive lack, uh, his defensive uh, d- deficiencies. Uh, the Knicks also uh, uh, Mendagaskos Mingas, another rookie uh, from Lithuania, had a had a very strong season. Uh, I wouldn't say strong, but um, it wasn't much expected of him. Um, so uh, you know he had some high moments. He struggled with the shot a bit over the second half of the year, um, but a good rotation player. Um, you know, kind of an eighth and ninth guy in, in the Knicks rotation on a good team. Um, you know, good teammate, um, great guy in the locker room. Always, you know, his nickname is Cheese because he's always smiling. I'm um, a good dude, so um, yeah. So, so certainly from from an international perspective, um, a, a encouraging year for the Knicks.
0: And uh, I guess the last thing, the the highlight or the low light of the Knicks season would be uh, the Charles Oakley incident. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> were there any takeaways from, from that uh, on, on your end?
1: Yeah, I mean, just the, the, unfortunately, the same old, same old. Where, where you know. The, 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 yeah, it's probably the most talked about thing, you know, and, and going back four or five years, each of the most discussed topics when you talk about the Knicks are, you know, former legend getting, you know, dragged out of the arena in handcuffs or, you know, just this past week when, um, you know, Dolan called the guy a curse word and then asked about it and said, yeah, I called him and because he's a beat, you know, it's just, you just had the common sense not to get involved with it, um, you know, just unfortunate, I think, you know, kind of the, the, the issue with the Knicks has been um, a top down, you know, it's, we're going Fifteen years now. It's they've, they've lost at least fifty games. You know, six in the last nine years. You know, below five hundred, twelve in the last. Uh, 15. Uh, that's an incredibly, uh, you know, disappointing record. You know, most losses in the league, uh, since 2001, second most the Tim Rose, the only team to have lost more games. Um, and when you consider how much money, um, that the Knicks have invested in their product to not be, have anything to show for it. Um, and it's, it's one of those things where anytime there's a power struggle, um, the, the wrong side is won. And, and, and until the Knicks fix that, it's difficult for them to, um, you know, s- s- sustain success. In my opinion,
0: you know, uh, I my favorite part of that story. You may not even be aware of this, but do you do you know what Oak's last tweet prior to the incident was? <laughs>
1: there was a tweet about raising
0: money yeah, or uh, yeah. a, re- <laughs> a tweet <laughs> Yeah so you you had uh you raffled off a, a jacket signed by the 94 Knicks if I yeah. and um you know to, to raise money for for uh, I think it was the ACLU right ACLU yeah um Great effort! It's so so great that Charles Oakley decided to retweet you, which I thought was the coolest thing ever, and and that was his last tweet before he. So you know, you know, hey, don't don't let a a disaster go to go to waste. That that was good PR for you.
1: Yes, absolutely. I actually. uh, Speaking of. Uh, 20 years ago, uh, if we're talking (laughs) in the lunchroom, I I had a conversation, a DM conversation on direct message on Twitter with Oakley, um, uh, sometimes about the Knicks. Whoa, uh, whoa. Yes. So, uh, so, so I reached out to the big guy and I asked him to, uh, to do me a solid and retweet that. Um, and he did, so, uh. But uh yes, so yes, Tommy Beer would, would would think it's really, really cool that a something called social media allowed him to uh to to uh, to, to chat and, and, and uh a little bit with uh with one of the coolest, toughest Knicks uh, of all time.
0: Ninety seven Tom Beer, ninety seven Sean Cronin, ninety seven Sean Cregan. <laughs> what's up Kriegs? Ninety seven Dan Brady. I mean these guys would be going nuts. <laughs> Um hey last thing I'm not going to ask you who you think's going to win the the finals but if there's one storyline to look for over the the next month or so or I mean I guess 2 months going going into to the NBA finals throughout the playoffs um what what should a casual fan uh be looking for to to get the most out of this time of year
1: sure I think it's going to be a great posting to be honest I hope it, I hope it lives up to the hype because it will be hype um, a couple storylines just off the top of my head um, the Clippers um, very interesting situation in Los Angeles right now uh, Chris Paul Blake Griffin and JJ Redick uh, three of the team's leading scorers will be uh, unrestricted or have the opportunity to become unrestricted free agents this summer um, so certainly a kind of make or break season you would think for the Clippers if they get bounced in the first round and they're playing a tough Utah team uh, home court still be decided but um, they are going to play the jazz in the first round if they do get bounced in that in that first round or even you know don't put much of a fight up in the second when they would play ostensibly assume we assume the warriors if they advance in the first round um so that that's a that's definitely an interesting because you know chris paul can really change the landscape i know a lot of knicks fans were hoping at one point that he'd come to the knicks i think after their disappointing season it's probably less likely um but nonetheless um certainly will will change the um the the way that um Basketball in, in Clipperland is, you know, kind of may the next, you know, five or 10 years may be determined by the next uh, five or 10 games for the Clippers. Um, uh, just in, 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 in real quick, it's not a, essentially a, a playoff scenario, but the l- draft lottery will be, and we're talking about Los Angeles basketball, the Lakers. Um, there's, there rarely, um, uh, you know, has there been an, a more important lottery, um, in terms of a franchise's success, um, if the Lakers land in the top three, they keep their pick and they also keep their 2019 first round pick. Um, if they do not land in the top three there, the the pick they traded away in the Steve Nash deal, um, is lottery is protected for the top three. So if they get the fourth pick or lower, um, that trade gets, um, that draft pick gets, uh, you know, shipped out to Philadelphia. It means the Lakers do not get a first round pick and they, uh, uh, and they also lose a 2019 first round pick as a result. So, um, you know, it's not a uh, exaggeration or an overstatement to suggest that the Lakers, you know, next 10 years of Lakers basketball will be determined um, by that lottery on that Tuesday night uh, in uh, midday. Um, and, and In terms of playoffs, obviously the Warriors um, are, are going to draw a lot of attention, rightfully so. Um, they have a tremendous team. We know about Kevin Durant coming over. Um, that should be fascinating to see how it all plays out. Uh, the first round in the, in the West, um, we, we talked about it right at the top. Uh, you got uh, Westbrook versus uh, Harden, uh, Rockets versus Thunder. It Should be an amazing series. Audi's not quite as intriguing. Um, we could have some some very interesting series um, if the you know do, do the Wizards uh, in the second round, assuming both teams advance, so they give the Cavs a roll for their money. The Raptors versus Celtics in the second round, there's two three seeds again, assuming both teams advance, um, would be fascinating. We got Giannis Antetokounmpo um, if we're talking about international players. The Greek, um, this Greek? Is kind of a- get the Greek freak his first chance um to to make some noise in the postseason. Uh interestingly the Bucks have the longest street. They haven't won a playoff series since two thousand one the longest active streak for NBA franchises without a postseason victory. Um, can the Greek freak change that? Um, he's a guy that's going to be an MVP conversation sooner rather than later. So, you know, um, we'll if he-
0: that franchise, uh, I, you know, it's one gentleman after another. I can't speak highly enough about that kind of man that Giannis is that I've seen firsthand. Uh, and then, you know, don't sleep on Chris Middleton either. I, again, another first class dude all the way. And both of them can ball.
1: Yes, d- definitely, absolutely. Um, I had somebody uh, in there, uh, you know, speaking. Uh, they are they on my good list right now. I had somebody in there, um, in their front office, or uh, shoot me a shoot me a message that's saying that they agreed with my um, take okay. of Joe Jackson the triangle. So um, <laughs> yes, cont- continue to compliment them. Um,
0: well, Tom, it's, it's always great to catch up with you uh, and uh, and shoot the breeze and and talk hoops and and thanks for laughing at my corny jokes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> any time i've been doing it for 20 years you know,
0: like, <laughs> and uh it, you know i'll put in the show notes uh links to to your your page at basketball insiders and everything a- anything people should be checking out uh, otherwise uh
1: nah just uh on the twitter machine you can find me at tommy beer and um thanks for listening
0: yeah and a uh, last thing in the uh, suffolk county penal league how far do you see the riverhead travelers <laughs> going
1: <laughs> it, depends how, it depends if Frank has been working out a good shape.
0: <laughs> You can get too muscular And he'll throw off your shot From, from doing point. curls in the arts so. <laughs> right. Tommy Beer the, the spiritual advisor To the Diplosport Podcast Thank you very much
1: My pleasure buddy
0: for Tommy Beer, this is Morgan O'Brien saying thank you for listening to the Diplosport Podcast. We welcome you to follow us on social media at Diplosport on Facebook and Twitter. It's one word, Diplosport. And we always enjoy when you subscribe to us via iTunes. And while you're there, please feel free to go ahead and leave us feedback. Good feedback ensures that we continue to get great guests like Tommy Beer.